All right, anybody else need a handout? All right, let's just go ahead and go to 1 Thessalonians 5.21. All right, 1 Thessalonians 5.21 and... We're gonna. What we're doing is we are. We have a, a a contemporary issue in front of us that we have to deal with. We're we deal with different forms of media, and we're dealing with uh, social media. Uh, most of us have. Uh, most people have phones. A lot of us uh, have a some kind of social media platform, <clears throat> and. Um, even actually some of what we're saying tonight applies to just using your phone, even just that itself, even without a social media platform. And so sometimes people come to church like, church is irrelevant. I don't hear any messages that are relevant. That's what people say. And so, well, here, this is right in your face. This is social media. And so here's your relevance. And the, but the real issue is the relevance of God's word. That's always relevant. It's timeless. In fact, uh, social media forms are going to change and it's going to be some other thing in 20, 30, 50 years that preachers are going to again have to preach about, not saying for or against because media is kind of a neutral thing. It's like a tool you could use for good or evil, but they'll have to preach something and what they'll preach is basically some of the things, things we're looking at tonight. This is timeless truth for changing times is the Bible. Um, you know, trends are many, principles are few. Trends change often, principles never do. And that's the Bible. And so we're, gonna, we're relying on God's Word to just discern everything. And, you know, that's what we need. We need something that's timeless. Here's a scripture that relates to this whole subject. We'll start out with 1 Thessalonians 5. <clears throat> Actually, 1 Thessalonians 5, 21 and 22. It says, Prove all things, hold fast that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil. Let's read both those verses together. 1 Thessalonians 5, 21 and 22 begin. Prove all things, hold fast that which is good. Abstain from all appearance of evil. A little short uh, commands there from the Apostle Paul. Uh, as we think of the idea of media, social media, any kind of technology or any kind of platform where you can connect people. Just want to prove it. Prove what's um, something you want to keep, something you want to discard. Hold fast that which is good. Prove all things. You know, if you pick up a book, you pick up a book by a human author, you're going to have to hold fast that which is good and spit out that which is bad. And um, <clears throat> eat the fish and spit out the bones, so to speak. And the same thing with anything that man makes or man comes up with that comes your way. It's not God, it's man. Um, you know, we, we take the good, leave the bad. Sometimes some things are just totally infected with all bad and you just leave it away. Abstain from all the evil and all appearance of evil. Uh, but here we go. Here's a, just a couple things as we um, look at our notes here. Just a, God's word on social media, the prophet, the pitfalls, and the principles for using social media. That's kind of our three uh, main points or main points of discussion. There is profit. We talked about that last week. I'll 
we'll review that. There are definitely pitfalls. There's more pitfalls points than anything. And then there's several principles that we'll look at in another Wednesday or two about this. Notice on the front there, again, the world population is 7.8 billion. Uh, apparently, there's about 4 billion social media users, according to one of the sources I found. That was of last summer. It's probably even higher <clears throat> now. Um, they say that the average person, social media users now spending two and a half hours a day multi-networking across an average of over an average of eight social media networks. They think this year it'll increase to 142 minutes per day. Those are just some stats. Now on the inside here, again, some of this is, you can kind of make the notes as you want, uh, depending on what stands out to you or what thoughts you have. Uh, but um, we gave some introductory thoughts here last week about there's a prayer in Psalm 119, 166. We, we looked at that last week where the psalmist says, uh, teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe thy commandments. There's, we're bomb, I, I've said this, I'll keep saying it. As Americans, we're bombarded with everything. We're bombarded with everything. Good things, bad things, just saturated with all kinds of stuff. And we can't hear everybody. We can't respond to everybody. We can't watch everything. We can't answer every email. You can't even open every email. You can't open every thing that comes in your, in your mailbox. You can't give to every cause. <clears throat> you, besides, those are things that are probably good, besides bad stuff that's bombarding your way constantly. I was talking to my wife the other day, and uh, Facebook, is, it's interesting how they, uh, you know, it is owned by somebody. It's not like government-paid thing that's supposed to be all perfect. It's owned by somebody. It's a, still a, a business, and we use it. And uh, now they're, you know, we're seeing how opinionated their business is. They will, they will um, edit you and they will censor you if you had some opinion about. Sometimes it's good that they censor certain people, but a lot of times they want to censor people that are supporting like Trump, though we don't support his, uh, some of the bad things that have happened with him, but we support you know, some of his principles. And they censor that. They censor a lot of opinion, but they don't censor a lot of the bad stuff. They let bad immoral things fly right up in there. They, they don't have a problem leaving that up there. So we have, we, at the end of the day, we have to be discerning. And it's our issue on our moral choices. You know, we are, you know, they, I don't expect them to be my leader in morality. I don't expect them to, any social media platform to be perfectly fair with me. I don't, I'd be surprised if they 100% were. Um, at the end of the day, I have to make the right choices and do right before God. So I say, God, teach me good judgment and knowledge. That's a prayer you should have. Psalm 119.66, teach me good judgment, Lord, and knowledge, for I believe thy commandments. All right, quickly I'll re review the profit of social media. And again, some of these things are things I've observed. You, may, could, you might could add a few things. Number one, we see that it can help with communicating basic things. Just basic communication, you know, you're... You want to communicate to your staff at work, and you just post something real quick on one of your platforms. Um, I, we've done some things like that here at church. It's basic communication. Weather, you know, you get a weather alert. Number two, it, can, it communicates the saving gospel. We can use different uh, social media outlets to communicate the gospel, and we should. We should be like Paul where he says, by all means, by all means save some. Now, we shouldn't only rely on the, that means. I think the best means is in-person communication. I think that's the best means. 
But if you're limited, you might as well try. You might as well reach out. You might as well send a message, post a gospel message, post a video, post a verse, post a testimony. That's not the only thing you should do. You know, Paul wrote letters and he showed up at people's face. He did both. And we should try to be doing the same thing. So it's good to, to, to communicate the gospel. Number three, it's good to communicate Bible truths besides the gospel, just edifying people. Teach, you know, some churches have had to really lean in on having video services to teach classes. You know, that's helpful. Edifying, the Bible talks about 1 Corinthians 14, 26, about uh, let all things be done unto edification, number three. Number four, it could be used to minister grace, uh, graceful helpful communication. When I say communication in number one, it's just not, not necessarily that we're trying to be helpful. It's just, uh, it's just facts. But number four, we want, to be, we want to communicate in a personal way. You want to be able to find a way to help somebody. You know, People get sad. People get depressed. People get, they have problems. And you know, it's good to send a, a good word to somebody. And that's good. We should, we should try to have minister grace to the hearers. Number five, communicating with family and friends. That's, that's always helpful. That's kind of the reason my wife wanted us to, to get a, a Facebook page. She likes to know what our kids are doing and grandkids now. So that's nice. All right, number the next section there on the bottom part of the first page, we're going to want to just consider the thought of a pitfall. Number one, or not number one, but the title there is The Pitfalls of Social Media. The Pitfalls. And I want you to have something in your mind. When I was a kid, uh, my parents still live over by Val Vista and Southern. And we moved in there in August of 1980. And I was, uh, <clears throat> I remember, you know, there, of course, there was just mainly our neighborhood. There was not much else around uh, that intersection area and so there was a couple of fields that I like to play in with sometimes by myself sometimes with friends uh, one of them we called the dirt hills they had a bunch of dirt hills that construction guys had left and they got hardened and we made good bike jumps and uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff we did in that field then across from across the street from Val Vista uh, the north what would be the northeast corner of Val Vista and southern there's a Safeway there now it was another open field. I think there was a section of it that had some orange groves. <clears throat> Not that many left. I think they were cutting them down. But then there was a couple of these big, um, I don't know what kind of tree it is. It's kind of like a, that has pines to it, but it's really, sometimes you see them occasionally, and when you see them, they're huge. It's just, oh, I know, at Joe's Farm Grill, they have a couple of them. Anybody ever been to Joe's Farm Grill? Outside, they have a couple of those. You don't like it? Okay. All right, not saying we have to like it, but, you know, you go to Joe's Farm Grill, they got a couple of these big trees in the back. Not the front. I think they have some other kind of tree in the front. In the back, where you can sit outside and eat, they have a couple of these big old trees, and they have kind of a pine needle. I don't know what they're called. But they'll say, watch out, you know. They'll have a little sign over there that says, you know, watch out, scorpions might fall from the tree or something like that. I don't know. So... Um, well, they had a couple of those trees. They're huge and shaggy over by this one corner across from our neighborhood. Rarely did my parents let me go over there because I'm crossing the street, you know, the Val Vista. And I don't blame them. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying it was bad. It was good. They had that restriction. But occasionally it's like, all right, you can go over there. So, you know, I'd go over there and it was like a field. There's a couple of the big trees and 
somebody had built a tree house that you couldn't even see it. But you go in there and you kind of go in, it's like, oh, yeah, little jungle. Somebody had built a little tree house. And it was just this little platform. There wasn't much to it. <clears throat> and that was fun. We'd climb up in it. And uh, we would find, you know, there'd, we'd see stuff around there. We'd go searching for, um, um, there was, we found some horseshoes. Uh, digging around, wow, there's horseshoes we found here in the ground. And then um, we were kicking rocks, turning over rocks. Oh, there's scorpions. They found scorpions, you know. One time my little brother was with me. <clears throat> and uh, in that area, th- th- what happened, was, there used to be a really old house there. And I didn't, I didn't know, was, but now looking, I mean, I realized that after a while, it was just the foundation and some broken up parts to the floor. There was no structure anymore. But I remember one time one of my little brothers was with me over there, and, and uh, there was kind of like some broken slab of the floor and just different things and bricks and stuff like that and weeds and just kind of mixed with a bunch of junk. And one of the parts of the floor had, <clears throat> it had uh, linoleum, you know, the linoleum flooring, and it was still stuck to the concrete, and it just looked kind of old and had a, had a weird design to it stuck on there, and it just looks like this kind of like it was all broken and old. You can just see, oh, there's a pattern of that linoleum flooring on there. And we're looking around, and my brother Cliff was like, look, Michael, ancient Egyptian writings. You know, because he sees this little, he doesn't know he's looking at just some kind of pattern of a, of a flooring. And he thinks this is ancient, ancient writings, you know. Like, no, but it's not that. It's somebody's flooring. Well, that was funny. But uh, out there also, there was, uh, there was a couple times I went over there, and there were some older kids there, big kids. You know, I'm like, I'm like third, fourth grade, and there's these big kids. They were probably seventh graders, dun-dun-dun, you know. And uh, they were there in the treehouse, and so they, we couldn't crawl up in the treehouse. And, and one time I was there, and, and one of the guys like, hey, he's smoking. You want to try a smoke? And I was like, No. You know, and so there was this bad, you know, some, not everything good was going on there. Uh, but we had fun. We had fun going there and you know, stay away from the scorpions. Yeah, stay away from the kids that want to smoke and offer you to smoke. And, and then one time, I, this is the biggest thing that stands out to me, <clears throat> is that when we were over there playing around and we came across this area and there was a board, there were some boards on the ground. And I think the way I found it is one of my friends said, hey, look at this. Look what I found. And he comes over and he pulls the board off the ground and there is a well flush to the ground. Not like, a, not like the kind of where the bricks built up on the side. It's all flush to the ground. And it was not a small well that you pumped. It was a, like this wide. That's wide. Round well with the kind of the brick thing bordering it. And I'm like, sure enough. He's like, look, there's a well there. You know, and I'm, again, third or fourth grade. And I'm like, wow. And I, and I, could, and you, I couldn't see the bottom. I couldn't. And we dropped something, and we could, we could hear something fall down there. And I was like, whoa, that's pretty neat. And then somebody tried to drop a, there was some kind of, uh, not like chicken wire, but some kind of wire fencing that somebody tried to drop down there and tack it to the side like, oh, maybe they could climb out if somebody fell in. I don't even know if it went down far enough, but I couldn't see the bottom. 
And, uh, and I'm like, and then I thought, that's pretty neat. And so, but, but it was exciting being there. But then I go, I went home and I told my mom, I said, Mom, we were playing over at the treehouse. I don't know what I called that field, the, the treehouse field. And, and there was a well there. She's like, what? You know, what? What? And she, she didn't, and I don't blame her. I would have done the same thing, you know, and she was concerned that we had fallen it. And, uh, you know, I think of that little, I think of that little thing. That was fun. That was a fun little spot to be with, with friends. It was cool. It was exciting. But there was literally a pitfall right there. There was pitfall. I didn't see any water, but it was literally a pitfall. There's things that could hurt me. There's kids that could hurt me. There's a pitfall that could hurt me. And that's kind of like a silly example of social media. Oh, it's fun. You get to get, oh, I'm going to go to this and we're going to communicate here or we're going to watch this or see this. And oh, that's exciting. Every cool place you go to, will be a, there'll be a pitfall, moral, spiritual pitfall or falls or bad people or moral scorpions there also. That was just a, an analogy of life and of gathering with people, social media or in person. There's pitfalls. And we are wise. I'm not trying to be extra negative. Seeing 18 points, we probably could have more. We're wise to know them. Like, what are the pitfalls for me on, as I jump on my phone or I jump on my computer or my laptop? What are, you need to be aware where there's a well that you could fall right through or a scorpion that's going to bite you or some bad guy that's going to say, hey, come over here. We need to be aware of that. So that's why we take a little time to consider pitfalls on social media. Uh, we're not going to get through all of them. I'll review a couple. Let's, and, 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 and tonight, so just we're going to, I'm probably going to do 10 or 15 more minutes because we're going to try to do a business meeting tonight as well. And I'm going to quote a few things that I've learned from this book. This guy wrote this book called 12 Ways Your Phone is Changing You. Couple of, some of the men in here I gave this out to a few years ago, we did a, I just wanted to encourage them to, to look it over. 12 Ways Your Phone is Changing. It's a good book. <clears throat> this Christian man wrote it. This doesn't just apply to a phone. It's this whole subject as well that we're talking about. So number one, these are the things I've observed. We could see others, but number one, a pitfall is seeking validation. Seeking validation. You sometimes can be um, going to a, you know, your social media only because you desperately need validation. Now, there's some of us here, you have, perhaps some people, they have a business. You need to see that some people are going, oh, I like this business. Oh, I want to go to this business. Okay. Some people, they need to, they're, some people are literally making money off showing a video. They need people to, to benefit from that. But I'm talking more on the personal level where it's like, oh, I've just, I just have, I just need to, somebody to tell me I'm important. And, and you know what? Christians should encourage each other like that. But there's, sometimes we're looking everywhere except the right places to be validated. Everywhere else. All right? Um, Galatians 1.10, just a couple quick scriptures. This one says about pleasing men, Galatians 1.10. <clears throat> Paul talked about being a people pleaser. And in this context, he says in Galatians 1.10, for now, pardon me, for do I now persuade men or God 
Or do I seek, Galatians 1.10, for now do I persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. He's talking in relation to his gospel message. He's saying, am I just trying to stick my finger in the wind with the gospel and say, who likes, which way does people want this to go? Is that what I'm trying to do? Or am I trying to please God? He says, if I try to please men, I am not God's servant anymore. I'm not trying to be validated by men. Um, I, it's, a, it's a blessing. The guys that teach the Bible in here, the teachers, we should tell the Bible teachers of this church, Sunday school teachers, thank you for teaching. Good job, Brother Adam. Good job, Brother Derek. Uh, thank you, Miss Sarah, for teaching the kids. Thank you, Brother Russ. You know, and the kids should say, hey, that was, we should say that because um, let him that is taught in the word communicate to him that is being taught. I'm paraphrasing Galatians 6. You know, say something. Thank you. That was good. I mean, <clears throat> so just so that you know that it's, it's almost just a cordial thing, you know, to say thank you. But uh, good teachers won't do it only to have that. They'll teach, they'll teach it whether they get that or not. And so Paul's saying, I'm not just trying to get the applaud of men here. I'm trying to please God. And sometimes we'll put something out, people put things out on there just to get somebody to applaud them because they desperately need it. Let me read you something here in this, uh, in this book here. This guy says it better than me here. Okay, I'm going to read you. It's a profile of a real person, okay? Now, this lady, this woman, it's not, it's, she's kind of a little bit of maybe the extreme case, but I think we could relate with what I'm going to read. Listen to this. I'll just call her Jasmine. Okay, let's see here. All right, I'm going to start reading. I think I got this. Okay, her name. Okay, they said, meet Jasmine, a 20-something woman aspiring to Instagram fame who spoke out but only under an alias because she was still in the game and was too embarrassed to admit it. The identity she protected was costly and she found herself drowning in credit card debt. I buy a lot of things to maintain my image. And I'm going I'm to skip some of this stuff here. Uh, 65. Oh, okay. That's why I didn't, I backed up. I was on, started on the wrong page. Okay, here we go. Esna O'Neill. Here we go. Who has a 19 year old Australian model accumulated 500,000 Instagram followers once poised to make a career from online endorsements in 2015. She called it quits, deleted most of her pictures and revisited the remaining descriptions to unmask her true motives behind the images parentheses, mostly sponsored product placements. Why the drastic move? As Asina, I think this is how I pronounce her name, Asina had come to see that her online life was hollow, fake, and self-centered. Quote, over-sexualization, perfect food photos, perfect travel vlogs. It is textbook of how I got famous, she admitted. But it was all part of a downward spiral that she came to regret. Quote, everyone goes through life differently. Myself growing up with social comparing so easily available. It consumed me. I spent age, from ages 12 to 16 wishing I was someone else. Then I spent ages 16 to 19 constantly molding myself, 
editing and self-promoting the, quote, best parts of my life, which turned into a massive career based on numbers of how I looked aesthetically, not realistically. Today, Asina said, quote, I simply no longer want to compare my life with anyone else's edited highlights. I want to pull all those hours I looked into a screen into my real life goals, personal relationships and aspirations. I'm over this celebrity culture and obsession. It's silly and for the most part, it's internally lonely and fake. This is from somebody who, quote, succeeded in it. Most tragically, Asina admitted that she had mindlessly offered up her body for a posting selfies in order to be told she was beautiful and attractive. Quote, being born into this screen-dominated age, we are taught to mold ourselves in order to gain the most social validation, like likes, views, followers across social media. She said, quote, I'm simply taking myself out of the sculpting studio. I don't want to look to others for how I should live, speak, and create. In the end, she said, quote, I was living a paradox of conditional self-love and constant self-hate. I was living a paradox of, con of conditional self-love and constant self-hate. Basically, my self-worth relied on social approval. She assumed that she could satisfy her heart by becoming, quote, Facebook famous or, quote, Instagram famous. But as her fame grew, her life felt more and more shallow and contrived. The popularity made her feel, in her own words, trapped in a cycle that became more empty, lonely, hateful, jealous, and insecure. And nothing traps people in unhealthy social media patterns like personal insecurity. That's just an example. He has a few other examples like that. Again, it's just the idea of being where I have to get my validation from people and I totally depend on it. Let's look in Ephesians 1.6. It's a short verse, but it says volumes. Ephesians 1.6. <clears throat> it's part of a doxology. It's part of a statement Paul's making that begins all the way in verse 3, and this is the last part of a very long statement about God, a praise to God, a, a doxology, a glory to God. Look what the end of this long statement in Ephesians 1.6 says, To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the beloved. You're, so it's nice having friends and nice people. I like friends and nice people. I like it. But I have been made accepted in the beloved. In Jesus Christ, I'm made accepted. So in a sense, I don't have to seek acceptance. I already got it. He accepts this little sinner who's saved and put into, uh, in Jesus and viewed as forgiven and one of God's children. So the ultimate uh, anchor of my acceptance is found in Jesus Christ. But... People seek it yet still, and you know, in a way, we shouldn't be surprised that some people that are lost seek it and depend on it until they find the Lord Jesus. Number two, comparing. Comparing is a pitfall. Uh, let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Second Corinthians 10 verse 12. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 12. <clears throat> Paul says, "For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they 
measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. It's an interesting statement, isn't it? Now, it's, it's, it is helpful to, to look at people and sometimes talk to people like, what do you do with your kids? How did you paint potty train? We're not talking about that. If I was a mother, I'd want to know how this other lady potty trained too. I need some ideas. This kid's messed up. You know, <laughs> she'd say it's because of you. No, just you know, you know what I mean. It's good to exchange, compare in that sense. You're counseling one with another. This is talking about kind of like ranking each other by. Well, see them. I'm right here, and see, and they comp- this this comparing thing is not healthy. It's a pitfall. Paul says it's not wise. All right, so let me read another quote from this gentleman who did a lot of research here. So he mentions a pastor. There was a pa- just to know the context. There was a pastor back in Texas, good guy, good gospel preaching pastor. He had to, he survived brain cancer, and he said when he was going through some of his treatment, he was spent a lot of time in bed. And when you're spending time in bed, you're kind of awake. You say, "Hey, what's on, going on on the phone, or what can I read?" And and that's understandable. But he felt like he was going into a pitfall. And here's what he said. He said, when it came to the comparison, he says, quote, he's talking about being, you know, in a prolonged, okay, here's what he says. Imagine someone during prolonged suffering or depression sitting at home in his or her pajamas. Quote, you crawl into bed and grab your phone. You start scrolling through Instagram, your Instagram account. Here's what you find. Everybody's marriage is awesome. The kids are incredible. They're counting money and they don't struggle at all. There's no pain. There's no sorrow. And here you are in your trial. You ate, you ate a whole gallon of ice cream watching a series on Netflix. You start to, re, you start to resent them. <laughs> you start growing in anger against them. Really? Me? Lord? I'm enduring this trial? What about them? In your trial, your insidious, wicked heart will be exposed, and, and comparison is how it plays itself out. See, he, that's kind of an idea. That his testimony of how he started his, the feelings that were arising as he was going through his problem, like, look at all this. That's, that can be a problem. Um, what's the basis for my decisions? Is it God's voice or others' voice? Number three, and I'll just say this and we'll, um, then we'll close. Let's first go to Proverbs 7, 17, 27. Proverbs 17, 27, Lord willing, have this as our last point here. All right, Proverbs 17, 27, He that hath knowledge spareth his words. And a man of understanding is of an excellent spirit. The guy who really knows something doesn't say everything. The, the man who um, says everything he knows doesn't know much. The man who says everything he knows doesn't know much. The scripture is talking about, you know, being measured on the words you give, a measured amount. There's other scriptures, there's other Proverbs that talk about time and, you know, uh, the right timing of it. Here's number three, venting an opinion on everything. Venting an opinion on everything. I only got so much time. 
I'm not going to keep venting my opinion about sports ball, you know, like a team. Uh, you know, <clears throat> as a pastor, I'll just, I can just speak for myself. I'm having to where, as a pastor, like, if I'm going to make a comment, this is what I have to constantly tell myself. If I'm going to make a comment or post something, besides just communicating to family, I have to think, does this have any pastoral help to it? Does this have any gospel help to it? Is this leading anybody to gospel Bible truth that's edifying? Otherwise, I don't need to say much. I don't need to keep venting my opinion about everything. Because um, he that hath knowledge spareth his words. And then people come, there's sometimes you, you have, I've read an article before, like, oh, this is a pretty neat article. You know, like, there's something called sermon audio. And uh, some of you have read it. They have good sermons on there. You've got to sift through those too. But then they'll have a news side where you can read kind of selected news of Christian interests, and I'll read that, and then I'll pop down a little bit and see some comments. I'm learned to don't even look at the comments. And this is a Christian uh, site, and they're they're good. The guys that are running it are conservative type guys, but they let it for. And I'm like, oh, the comment, and then the comment about the comment, and then the comment about the comment about. They're like, oh, these guys. I don't even want to hear them. They embarrass me, you know. Um, and so it's like, we don't have to vent opinion about everything. So that can be a pitfall and it can be a waste of time. So just making ourselves aware of this as we navigate, not telling you to shut down whatever you're doing, unless there's immorality there or something else, or you're falling, you're finding yourself in a pitfall, you need to adjust. And, uh, we're going to have to stop right there. And I'm just trying to create an awareness for us all today on what are we doing? What are we doing in our life? How are we managing our time? What's happening to my Christianity? What's happening to my heart? Well, how am I? Um, I just, I, I only have so much time in this life, and I want to glorify Jesus and bring others to Him. That's what I want to do.